This is Communio Sanctorum, the history of the Christian Church, Season 2. In this episode of Communio Sanctorum, we're going to take a look at a figure of church history that anyone who's done any reading is likely to have encountered, Eusebius of Caesarea. He's a prominent figure because he's known as the father of church history for his classic work, Ecclesiastical History, which charts the course of the early church from its inception to the late 3rd century. His history of the church was originally composed in ten volumes. Eusebius began it during the great persecution of 303 through 313, completing it around 315. Over the next ten years, he edited and revised it several times. It charted the course of primitive Christianity from obscurity in the backwater province of Israel to the favored faith of the new emperor Constantine. Along the way, Eusebius does future generations a great service by giving careful lists of church regions and their sequence of leaders. He quotes early Christian authors, writings long since lost to us but now preserved by the pen of Eusebius. He describes the early church's labor to define and understand the Trinity as over against the various heresies that sought to hijack orthodoxy. Though Eusebius began his chronicle during the Great Persecution, He lived to see the faith's emergence from the catacombs during the time of Constantine, to stand on the threshold of a new world in which Christ would be envisioned as triumphant over Caesar. While Eusebius is honored today as the father of church history for his literally groundbreaking work, his generation knew him simply as the bishop of Caesarea and a friend of Pamphilus, a scholar who fought valiantly against the Arian heresy. Little is known of Eusebius's life prior to his tenure as the lead pastor of the important church at Caesarea. He seems to have been born in the Roman province of Palestine around 260. He became a pupil of Pastor Pamphilus at Caesarea, and then, following that, his chief assistant. Pamphilus had come from Alexandria and made at Caesarea one of the greatest libraries of Christian writings. Just before Pamphilus arrived, The great scholar Origen had centered his work at Caesarea and composed the famed Hexapla there. That was a Bible in six side-by-side languages. It was kept in the library there at Caesarea. Though Pamphilus expanded the library, it was Origen who'd started it with volumes that he'd collected during his many travels. Eusebius so revered his teacher Pamphilus that he called himself Pamphilus' son. Pamphilus was imprisoned in the last days of the Great Persecution and died as a martyr in 310. Eusebius ended up writing a three-volume biography of his mentor. The persecution that claimed Pamphilus continued to wreak havoc among the Christians in Caesarea, and so Eusebius fled to Egypt for a few years where things were less dicey. When he returned in 313, the church elected Eusebius as its bishop. The city had a population of 100,000. That's no small number for a city of that time and place. There he wrote three of his longest works. First of all, a refutation of paganism in five volumes that he titled Preparation, a 20-volume look at the Old Testament's prophecies fulfilled by Christ called The Demonstration of the Gospel, and third, it was something that he titled Chronicle, 
which was a record of world history to the date of 303, which Eusebius intended to be a preface to his magnum opus, Ecclesiastical History. A few years after Eusebius became bishop at Caesarea, the Arian controversy broke out in full force, threatening to tear the church apart. It seemed that what persecution had been unable to do during the reign of Diocletian, an argument over theology would accomplish now that persecution was over. As the student of Pamphilus, Eusebius did not support Arius' idea that Jesus wasn't God. But Eusebius would not go along with the movement to declare Arius a heretic and toss him and his many supporters from the church. For this, Eusebius himself was excommunicated in early 325 by an anti-Arian synod that was held at Antioch. Then, at the Council of Nicaea later that year, Eusebius defended himself before the emperor by bringing forth a copy of the baptismal creed that was in use at his church in Caesarea. It stated an orthodox view and proved that Eusebius was no Arian. What he was was a church leader who felt that the Arian controversy had been turned by some into a grievous black mark on Christian unity. He thought it would be better to keep Arius and his many supporters in the church and deal with them as men who needed correction, better than to cast them out and see them agitate for their position where the world would look on it all as a shameful display of pettiness. The Caesarean baptismal formula was such a clear affirmation of an orthodox view that it was apparently used as a template from which the Council of Nicaea crafted its final position and ended up developing the Nicene Creed. But some members of the council found the Caesarean formula a bit too vague. They sought to remedy that vagueness by adding the controversial term homoousius that we talked at length about in season one and so won't recount here. Eusebius reluctantly voted with the rest of the council in approving the Nicene Creed, though he, as many other bishops, was less thrilled by the inclusion of that word. Over the next months and years, controversy raged over the word homoousius, and the condemned Arius returned to favor. The tables turned, and orthodoxy seemed to go down to defeat at the hands of a resurgent heresy. And it would have, too, were it not for the courageous stand of Athanasius, who refused to allow the truth of God's word to be edited by the prospect of pragmatic church politics. Sadly, Eusebius sat on the board that condemned Athanasius. Again, not for doctrinal reasons, but because Eusebius judged that Athanasius was a divisive agent who was hindering unity. What Eusebius had been reluctant to do with a heretic, that is, oust him, he's now willing to do with a man who was orthodox. The Emperor Constantine was impressed with Eusebius and asked him to produce a speech that would be given at the 13th anniversary of the Emperor's ascension to the throne. Eusebius followed that up with a grandiloquent elegy of Constantine after his death in 335. Eusebius himself died just four years later. One of the works that Eusebius produced that has been a source of much help to historians is called the Onomasticon. It was something of a groundbreaking innovation on Eusebius's part. In modern terms, we might call the Onomasticon a Bible atlas or a geographical gazette. His goal was to provide an easily referenced list of all of the places that the Bible mentions and give a short description of where they were located. 
he used Roman miles as a measure of distance and listed them alphabetically and by book of the Bible. When Eusebius had been an assistant to his mentor Pamphilus, they together had worked on the challenge of textual criticism with the text of the Septuagint, which is the common Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, as well as many manuscripts of the New Testament. Jerome tells us that Origen had already collected the Septuagint, and that was the text that Pamphilus and Eusebius worked on. Eusebius also set about to produce a kind of harmony of the four Gospels, so that people could read the story of Jesus in a collected format. That work was a favorite text of medieval scholars and became the source of many illuminated manuscripts. Besides the major works of Eusebius was a plethora of shorter and lesser works, many letters, short treatises, notes, and all such that bear his distinctive mark. Eusebius is recognized by no one as an author of great prose or eloquence. His writing is classically workmanlike. What distinguishes his style in everything except his praise of Constantine is its refusal to embellish or fabricate. Not everything that he wrote was factual, but whatever he did pen was a careful and faithful transmission of what he'd been told and had researched. And for that reason, scholars tend to give Eusebius general credence in his recording of history. (laughs) 